It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Synergy Connection Show, where we try to connect the dots between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. And, you know, I, we're looking back over 2020 and now half of 2021 and realizing all of the different lessons that COVID-19 has taught us about ourselves, our environment, who we are, what we are, where we're going in life, um, a whole bunch of things. And I think probably a good 50% of those are positives. The one thing that I do encourage people to do is go to my website, which is www.SynergyConnectionRadio.com. And on that website, all of my shows are archived. There's about 150 different shows there now. And then, of course, you can go to the podcast links. Um, I'm on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Apple Podcast um, and Google, and so you can uh, you know check out the shows there too. I think we're up to about forty shows that have been uh, recorded and archived there at this point. But if you're at my website, you'll see Boomers Forever Young. There is a link that takes you directly into their products. They are world class products. I've been using them for the past four years, and they make a difference in your overall health and wellness. And that's the key in my mind. It's not just the vaccine and everyone who has received a vaccine. It doesn't stop there, guys. You know, you can't believe for one second that that is going to protect you and make you healthy. Um, it's important to look at how you're sleeping. Are you exercising? What is your diet like? Are you doing maybe meditation, uh, yoga, tai chi, something re to reduce stress, maybe journaling? There's so many different things that you can do to keep your life in balance. But if you do go check out their site and you decide that you want to use any of their products, if you put my first name, L-U-C-Y, into the discount code, when you check out, you'll get $5 off of your order each and every time that you do order. And they have wonderful um, videos there. There's all kinds of testimonies. There's uh, blogs. I think it's a wealth of information. They're, they even have their own podcast uh, that explains, you know, the health and wellness process. So uh, check it out, uh, see for yourself, and do your part, you know, of being healthy because uh, it's not a matter of turning our health responsibilities over to someone else. It's partnering up, you know, and find a doctor, find a chiropractor, find somebody who has the same belief systems that you do, and then work together as a team to stay healthy. Okay, so I have as a returning guest with me, Laurel Clark, and uh, Laurel is a, a teacher of metaphysics. Um, she has uh, done self-development programs since 1979. She was probably about five years old when she started. Um, and um, she has a book called Dharma, Fulfilling Your Soul's Purpose, and that is available on Amazon. Um, so we're going to be looking today at discerning your life's purpose. And I find that just fascinating because so many people are looking for that right now. You know, they're trying to figure out why am I still here? Maybe they've had fr friends and family that have died. And so they're questioning, you know, what is it? Um, that I'm supposed to be doing with my life. So I think this is a beautiful topic for us to have 
here at the beginning of July of 2021. Welcome back. Thank you, Lucy. It's good to be here. You're very, very welcome. Um, so how do you go about figuring out what your life purpose is? I think, first of all, it's important to have a perspective on what that even means. So if you think about most children when they're very young, if you ask them, who do you want to be when you grow up? Mm -hmm. We're not asking the child, what do you want to do when you grow up? We're asking, who do you want to be? And most kids are not thinking in terms of a career, especially if they're very young. They're thinking about being happy or being kind or being uh, creative, which is the essence of who we are and how we express ourselves. But then if you read children's books, starting from a pretty young age, the books have messages like, Johnny wants to be a fireman and Susie wants to be a teacher. So even though they're saying be, what they actually are teaching is do. An occupation is something that we do. It is not who we are. And unfortunately, in my opinion, many of us at a very young age get socialized away from really paying attention to who we are as a soul, who we are as a human being, what our natural qualities are, what is our natural form of expression. And we start thinking in terms of goals and accomplishments. And there's nothing wrong with goals and accomplishments. They're very important. However, those goals and accomplishments are an expression of who we are. They are not who we are. And I think that what happens is that at a young age, when people start thinking in terms of an occupation or a goal, they sometimes forget or never, never even have a chance to develop an awareness of who they are as a human being, which is also why I think that people can get into a job. In fact, I know people like this, they're, they're good at their job, they have good skills, they make good money, but they're not really satisfied. They mm -hmm. have kind of lost inspiration, they've lost motivation, but they hesitate to move out of that job or that career because they're making good money. Right. And in fact, I had a client recently that it was kind of like he would go through this loop and keep getting back to the same point of realizing I've, you know, topped out at really using my skills here. It's easy for me. I'm good at what I do. I get paid a ridiculous amount of money. I don't really have to work that hard, which in itself was not that satisfying. It wasn't challenging, but he was so afraid to do something else because he was afraid of losing income. And Income is wonderful. It gives us the ability to do all kinds of things, but without that sense of inner purpose, it's not satisfying. Right, right. One of the things that um, I've seen so many young people do, and, and it's exactly what you're talking about, where they get into their freshman year and they're already being guided 
to, you know, what, what is your graduate degree going to be in, or what is your undergraduate degree going to be in? And they're having to choose at a, a pretty early juncture and they're not sure what they want. So if they've been influenced by friends, maybe that are a little bit older, you know, say, oh, you'd really be good at this or parents or counselors or, you know, somebody, they, they tend to be guided maybe into a direction that, like you said, 20 years later, they're making, you know, a good income, but it's not satisfying their soul. It's not their sole purpose. Yes. Yes. And I think also, at, at least in my opinion, education has shifted from something that was originally designed to develop the individual in a multi-dimensional way to being career training. So it used to be that there were vocational schools that were designed for career training. And then there were college programs that were not really so much for career training. It was liberal arts to learn about people and about the world and about subjects. And I know that when I went to college, getting my bachelor's, I thought somehow by being in college, I would figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I took lots of excellent courses. I went to two fantastic colleges. I graduated from University of Michigan and I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. But I knew much more about myself and I knew much more about the world because I was able to get a very broad liberal arts education. And I mean, college is expensive, so I can understand why young people don't want to spend a lot of money on something that when they get out of school, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get a job. But I think that even looking at what is the purpose of education and how can we get a better education about life and about the world to help somebody even develop that kind of awareness, I think that's pretty important. So one thing that I really encourage people to do is if they have some idea of what at least sounds appealing is to see if there's a way that they can shadow someone who has that occupation. Um, I know, for example, somebody who was thinking about being a chaplain and he found a chaplain who worked some in a hospital, who worked some in hospices, and he didn't get, he didn't get paid for it, but he was able to shadow the chaplain. He got an opportunity to see what the work was like. He had an opportunity to um, ask questions of the man who had the job as a chaplain. He even had an opportunity to do some of it himself, like the chaplain, you know, asked him to pray with the people who were in the hospital. And I think many people don't realize that there are a lot of occupations that will allow people to do that. There used to be a program, I don't know if it still occurs, that kids who were usually junior high school age, um, there was like, take your daughter to work day, take your son to work day, that they could go into their parents' workplace just to get an idea of what the parent was doing. Um, I know one time I was on a radio show and there was a 
12 year old there and it was not her dad who was the radio host, but the girl's father knew that the daughter wanted to be on the radio. And so he asked the host if she could sit in. And uh, so I think that's an excellent opportunity for people to find out what they might be interested in. Mm -hmm. Even so, I think it's important to realize that the job is still not our purpose. The job is an occupation. Right. It's a means to an end. Yes. So what, you know, if, if somebody is trying to discover if they're really in their life purpose, how would they go about discovering it? Do they just know intuitively that it's not a good fit or maybe it's a partial fit, but not a complete fit. And, you know, maybe they need to add something else to their life in order to make it more complete. How would you go about helping them discover that? So there are several things. One really valuable exercise is if somebody can remember under the age of seven and as young as possible, what they used to imagine or play or pretend when they were by themselves. And the reason that it's important when they're by themselves is especially if it's a child who was introverted or a highly sensitive person, very often they kind of mutate who they are when they're with other people. The more extroverted someone is, the less they tend to do that. But if somebody can remember what they imagined or pretended when they were by themselves, that can help key them into what their soul's destiny or purpose is before they started adopting other people's ideas, basically. Okay. So would that be like a meditational process that they might sit and maybe journal a little bit about what did I like to do when I was playing by myself and I was seven or eight or nine? It could be that way. What I think is even more effective is if the person can remember a place like a scene where they used to play and then put themselves back in that place. So I remember, and it doesn't have to just be one place, but there's usually a similarity. So I used to like to play in places that were secluded and kind of secret. So there was a, a place um, underneath our stairs outside that was, uh, was kind of like a crawl space, that, but not enclosed. There was air there. And so I used to like to be in that place we had a white picket fence around our backyard and there was a hedge. So there was a space in between the hedge and the picket fence that was, it was kind of like a secret clubhouse. I used to, there was a, a desk up in the attic and I would go into that, uh, you know, the space that the, the chair goes in, I would crawl in there. There was something about those secluded places that really helped me to get into myself. And I, um, used to create uh, clubs and organizations and I would come up with the rules and what the purpose was. So it does take some 
remembering, like putting yourself into that scene. And then what was I pretending there? Not just, okay, I was in this crawl space, but I was creating a club. And I have not created a club as an adult, but I have been president of two international organizations. I've been the board chair of an international organization. And as a child, I was very introverted and became kind of shy. So I wasn't thinking of myself as being the head of an international organization. However, I was imagining designing ways for people to work together and create together, which is why it was so resonant for me to become the leaders of these big organizations. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I used to pretend when I was with my older sister, we would play school and she was the teacher and I was the student. When I was by myself, I would line up my dolls and my stuffed animals in the chairs and I was the teacher. Okay. So that's why I'm saying it's important to remember what you played or pretended when you were by yourself. And I've been a teacher my whole life. Actually, the first job I ever had was tutoring when I was in sixth grade. I was tutoring uh, some fourth graders. So not everybody can remember that, but if they can, that can be very effective. So but what if, um, I'll interrupt her for a second because I can almost feel somebody that's listening going, okay, so what if I'm in the wrong field? Totally in the wrong field. I, I went down that road because it was gonna make me the most money or because I was gonna inherit you know, a business or something like that. And now I'm in my 40s or early 50s I may have responsibilities, you know, that are economical responsibilities, um, but I know that I'm not living my life purpose at this point in time. So if I do this exercise and then I realize, you know, hey, I maybe what I love to do was to care for other animals. Maybe I should have been a vet or something like that. Where would you go with that person? Because they might not want to go back you know, to veterinarian school, or they may not want to go back in and get a whole new degree, but they obviously are not in their life purpose. So let me say again, that the purpose is not the occupation. The mm -hmm. purpose is who am I as an individual? So right. if you think about, like when I said that I was head of two international organizations, my purpose was not being the head of the organization. It was how I functioned in that role, helping people to get along better. That was part of what I imagined when I was a kid, when I was designing these groups of people. And I was not a dictatorial head of an organization. I was like a mediator. Okay. So in pretty much every situation that I've ever been in, in friendships and relationships, there's always some aspect of being a mediator. I listen very well. I'm able to see through other people's eyes. I'm able to repeat and rephrase back to people what I hear them say. And so it's that attribute of all of those things that go into mediation helps me to fulfill my purpose. So I can do that 
as a teacher. I can do it as a counselor. I can do it as head of an organization. I can do it in a family. So it's important for somebody to resonate with not just what they are doing, but who am I being in this play that I'm doing, in this position that I'm doing? Because maybe, you know, if I think about, okay, what is it that I like about being with animals? I'm very comforting, maybe. I'm very um, empathetic. It could be that I can fulfill that purpose in some other occupation that doesn't have to do with animals. That's one option. Another option is maybe the job that I'm getting paid for is not the best at me bringing out these qualities that I have, but there's plenty of other places in my life that I can do it. Maybe I volunteer somewhere. Maybe it's something that I can engage with it with my friends. So it, let me give you an example. There's somebody who I know whose strongest attribute that is fulfilling to her is to be very comforting. And at one point in her life, her job that she was getting paid for was be working in customer service for a large airline. She also had two volunteer opportunities or engagements. One was she was volunteering at a hospital in a pediatric unit for um, mothers who were drug addicted. And so what she did was to hold the babies who had been born to these drug addicted mothers. So the babies themselves were drug addicted. And everybody loved her because she had an amazing ability. These babies who were just crying because they were in such bad shape, she would take them into her arms and because she was so comforting, they would stop crying. <clears throat> when she was working in customer service, you know, if you've ever had a flight canceled or anything, people come to the customer service counter, counter, they're angry, they're anxious, they're up in arms. And she had an amazing ability to help calm them down because she was so comforting, even if she couldn't actually solve the physical problem by getting them on a plane right then, she was able to soothe them because of her comforting presence. The other volunteer position she had was volunteering for young unwed mothers to help them with life skills, like teaching them how to change diapers, teaching them how to go grocery shopping. And again, it was her comforting presence that helped these young women, girls really, who were oftentimes very criticized by other people. Um, they usually didn't have very much money. She just was able to help them become much more centered and balanced because she was comforting. Mm -hmm. So even though there, the activities were three very different activities, it was the same quality or attribute that she was expressing, which was that ability to be very comforting. So if there's somebody who kind of looks at their life, and this is something that can be done with a writing exercise, is maybe take it in seven year increments from birth to age seven, age eight to 14, just brainstorm 
things I've done that have been fulfilling. And they might be all over the map in terms of seeming like different kinds of activities. Maybe not, they might be similar. But in those activities, what is it in me that I was expressing? And usually people will find that there's a kind of thread that runs through that where they can say, wow, I was being a mediator. Wow, I was being comforting. Wow, I was the one who always had the creative, innovative ideas or whatever it is. And that will much more easily get somebody to what their purpose is. Who am I as an individual that I bring to this job position situation? Right, right. That, I mean, that really makes total sense to me because, you know, as a therapist for over 30 years, what I was seeing is a lot of what I called the walking wounded. Um, you know, they didn't have clinical diagnoses per se, but what they had was um, just a feeling of I'm not happy and I don't know why. You know, I feel unfulfilled. So if they found their life purpose, if that was a part of, of this unhappiness that was within them, then I would think, you know, that their lives would become more rewarding. So even if the job, the J-O-B part that paid the bills, um, that might not be in alignment with their life purpose, everything else in their lives could begin to be in alignment. So it could balance each other. Yes. And I think the more that people learn about who they are, the better able they could be to bring more of themselves into the job. So mm -hmm. an example in my own life, when I was in my early twenties, I moved a lot and I was uh, a volunteer teacher with a not-for-profit organization that was very fulfilling to me, but because it was volunteer, I wasn't earning money and so I usually, because I moved often, I'd go to a temporary agency and get a temporary job. And most of those were clerical, uh, file clerk, secretary, receptionist, things like that. And one of the things that I learned about myself in the beginning, I thought I wanted to work in a very small office, you know, like one person office or something. And I found that I often got kind of bored, kind of low energy. And the reason I thought I wanted a small office is that because I tend to be quiet, people told me I was shy and I adopted that. Well, the truth is I'm not shy. I am sensitive and I listen well, but I'm really not shy. I like being around people. So I got a job through this temp agency working in a really big office. It was a uh, publishing company. And at first I kind of freaked out when I realized how big the company is. Well, it, it turned out that I loved it. And I was working as a file clerk in the human resources department. You know, the skill level was way below my capabilities. But what I found is that it was very easy for me to be friendly with the people in the office, to be kind to the people in the office. And the woman who I directly reported to 
many years later, you know, we parted company because I moved. She sent me an email and she said, I just have to tell you, and I only worked there for three months, I think. This was years later. She said, I just have to tell you that you changed my life because everybody in that office was so mean and so crabby. And you came in every day. You always had a smile on your face. You always were very kind to me and asked me how I was doing. It wasn't just work related. And it helped me to realize I'm a valuable person and I just want to thank you. And I mean, I had no idea that that had nothing to do with me filing things in a file cabinet, which is what I was getting paid for. It had to do with my presence. So I think that when people realize what fulfills them and how they can really touch other people in an important way, I'm not saying that it doesn't matter what you do, but they can bring fulfillment into whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, now if I worked at that job as a file clerk for 10 years, I don't think I would have the same story. But <clears throat> for that short period of time, I liked going to that job because wow. I could go to, to work. I got paid for it. I didn't have to take home any worries or cares with me. And I got to make some friends. So right. I, I think that can help people. One of the things that um, has been a topic of conversation on the show quite a bit, I would say lately, is is the understanding that we are 50 trillion cells that are vibrating constantly. And so what you just said was an illustration of this, is that you took your 50 trillion cells and your virtual bodysuit into work, you know, on a daily basis for three months and you were upbeat. You know, you asked this lady questions about how she was doing. Somebody was interested in her. And so your vibrational frequency touched her in such a way to say somebody cares as opposed to everybody's ignoring me or nobody likes me or whatever other interpretation she may have been getting from other people in that office setting. And so your your ability to allow your cellular function to be around you, encouraging, supporting, giving off loving energy, allowed you to do something with her that she had never experienced before. And I think we do that a lot of times unknowingly. We go into a supermarket and we smile at somebody and maybe it's the first smile they've had all day long. And that's just who we are, you know? So maybe that is part of our life purpose is to share love, to share energy with someone else in a positive way rather than taking the negative stuff out of the car with us into the supermarket and, you know, sharing that energy. So, you know, just that awareness that we have choices. We can either be positive role models or, or negative role models, depending on, you know, what our energy level happens to be on any given day. And it's not always going to be upbeat. You know, there are going to be moments that things are bothering us. And so, you know, our energy level is not going to be the most positive in the world. But you demonstrated with this lady, you made a, a huge difference in our life just for the three months you were with her. Yes. And I think that it can be very helpful to, 
of course, it, it depends upon who we ask, but it can be helpful to ask other people for their feedback or their reflections on what particular qualities do you see that I have that I bring to situations or that have helped you? Because I think our purpose in general is love, but I think it's much more specific than that. So with the woman I was talking about who worked in customer service at the airport, her particular vibration was comforting. There are other people that it might be leadership. For somebody else, it might be curiosity. And I think the more specific we can be about saying, okay, yes, we're all loving. However, my particular flavor of that is listening or empathy or curiosity or um, always having a creative idea or helping people to feel peaceful. You know, it might be more than just one. I think that can be really helpful because that can help us to understand which situations might be more or less conducive to us being able to fulfill that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, on the book that you wrote, this Dharma, Fulfilling Your Soul's Purpose, um, share a little bit you know, about that because a lot of people don't understand the term Dharma. And um, you know, how did you arrive at that as your title? And, and how does that book kind of fit what we're talking about today with understanding what your life purpose is? That's a good question. Um, some of that book is a little bit out of date in that it draws upon a particular type of reading <clears throat> that used to be offered by the School of Metaphysics, which is the uh, organization that published it. And the reading was called a Dharma reading based on the word Dharma that is Sanskrit that comes from the Hindu tradition that means duty with a capital D, meaning that we each have a spiritual duty to be who we are, to express ourselves. And there's a line in the Bhagavad Gita that, this is a paraphrase, that basically says it's better for us to um, die in the performance of our own dharma than to do someone else's. So, you know, we are not here to fulfill someone else's duty. We're here to fulfill our own. And from a very young age, kindergarten, I would say, I had a kind of vision that I think came to me through intuition that the only reason why people were mean to each other is that they weren't happy themselves. It, it was kind of a shock to me when I got to kindergarten and found out the kids were mean to each other because I had not experienced that with my sisters or, you know, the other kids that I knew. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I still believe that that's true, that the only reason why people hurt other people is that they're either hurt themselves or they're not happy in some way. Mm -hmm. So when each person is really 
fulfilling who they are, it's kind of like a big jigsaw puzzle that each person is playing their own piece. And so then we have the whole puzzle. And that's what Dharma is. It's what is my specific individual um, piece in this puzzle? What are the particular attributes and understandings that I have to bring to the world? And how can I best express them? So as I've been saying, it might be through a job, but it might not. It might be through other means as well. And it, in most cases, the more clearly we identify what that is, the better able we are to express that in all areas of our life, right. including our job, including our families, including going to the grocery store. Right. I, I sort of envision, you know, again, I'm, I'm coming back after, you know, 30 plus years as a therapist myself, but um, I often look at the injured um, part of us, uh, you know, because if, if as a baby, you know, we're born ideally happy. Now, granted, you know, crack cocaine babies are not happy. They're coming, you know, off of all of their issues that they didn't ask for. And it sometimes takes a lifetime and sometimes it never is totally resolved. But if you kind of think of it in terms of, you know, you have a core that is this happy little core. And over the years, you have layers upon layers. Some of them are, are really good nurturing layers and other layers, maybe not so good. You know, a teacher that was unkind, a friend that inadvertently hurt you, but we hold on to those mental images, you know, for maybe a lifetime. And so now as you're looking at what your life purpose is, maybe it's revealing, it's kind of going layer by layer to say, is this something that I need to hang on to? Is this something that is helping me live my life purpose? Or is this something that I can now let go of? And maybe for those that are more introspective, you know, writing or journaling will help them with that process because they don't have the chatty Cathy kind of brain that is constantly giving them chatter. Um, I have a, a one guest that wrote a book called The Chatter That Matters. And um, I think that, um, you know, that was what she was saying is a lot of times we have all of this stuff going on in our heads and it really is not that important. And then there's some that is truly important. And so being able to listen to that part that guides us. And you talked about intuition. One of the things that I've also shared with listeners in the past is that we have 40,000 of our brain cells that reside in our heart. And that is something most people don't know. So when we start listening with our heart, which is our intuition, then we are being guided almost 100% of the time accurately. But what most people do is they live 95% of the time in their intellect. So from the time we wake up in the morning until we go to sleep, we're usually there. We're making decisions on what are we gonna have for dinner? What are we gonna do next week? Have I remembered to do this, that, or the other thing? So we stay 95% of the time in our brain rather than consulting with our heart. So a lot of what you've been talking about today is in finding your life purpose, 
you have to go to the heart. <laughs> you have to kind of get in there and start listening intuitively. Am I correct on that? Yes, and actually it's interesting that you bring that up. There's a practice called focusing that was developed by Eugene Genlin um, that involves doing that, actually focusing on a situation and then allowing a color, feeling, sometimes a symbol to call for, to come up, which then can lead somebody to a deeper intuitive awareness of what it's really about. I also am in the process of getting certified in a practice called heart-centered hypnotherapy. That's a little bit different from traditional hypnotherapy that is for exactly the purpose you're talking about. It's to help somebody uh, go into a trance state so that they bypass that cognitive left brain thinking and are able to trace the source of the emotion from which they made unconscious choices, sometimes as young as being an infant, that then have guided their behavior ever since unconsciously. Hmm. So to be able to get to that and have the inside of, um, this is what I decided. And because I decided this, this is what my behavior has been. And then to form new healthy adult choices, it requires practice. I mean, it doesn't just change overnight, No, uh -uh. but it can be pretty remarkable how much it accelerates the process by being able to form new conclusions from the inside out rather than the outside in. Right, exactly. And, and you know, all of our training from the time we are really infants has always been from the outside in. Um, I, you know who Bruce Lipton is, Dr. Lipton, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I mean, um, you know, he talks about that a lot. The fact that, you know, from the time we are in the last trimester of our pregnancy, you know, as, as a, a baby just still forming in the uterus, that last three months and then the next seven years is all about learning from the outside in. Even though we have, you know, heart-centered thinking that can take place, most of it is coming from outside resources feeding the decision-making process that we will use for the rest of our lives. So if you have a lot of decision-making that is coming from, let's say, parents, uh, friends, teachers, uh, whoever it might be, that is faulty thinking, you know, in the sense that, you know, they grew up believing through their religious biases, through um, dysfunctional family, um, you know, situations. So it's not that it was done intentionally to hurt the child, but it was just that child's environment. And so now they're seven years old. They're probably in second or third grade, depending uh, on when they were born. And, um, you know, so they are encountering relationships and learning from that bias rather than going within and finding their answers. Everything has been pretty much fed to them from the outside. So it, I think it is extremely difficult 
Um, and yet that is where our true answers are. I'm curious as far as this heart-centered hypnotherapy, is it by chance coming through uh, the HeartMath Institute? No, it's from a place called the Wellness Institute that's on the West Coast. I believe it's the state of Washington. Hmm. How did you find out about it? This is such a fun story. There is someone who was a student of mine 30 years ago, maybe 35 years ago. And he was 16 when he became a student at the School of Metaphysics. He uh, became a teacher at a really young age. He left the organization when he was 19. I was not his direct teacher. I was his teacher's teacher and his supervisor. And he had a lot of respect for me and, you know, kind of had me up on a pedestal as this spiritual teacher. Anyway, he went, he got into the Navy. He um, then went on a spiritual journey to India. Babaji was a guru of his. Somehow after that, he became a social worker. And we had not been in touch with each other for over 30 years, but still had, I still had his email address. So I had a dream a few months ago that I saw a newspaper and there was an article that had his name and his name is spelled in a pretty unusual way. And it was first and last name. And I don't know if I've ever had a dream where I've actually seen letters written out that I could read, but I definitely read it. And then it had my signature on it. And the man who had written the article, um, I said, I know him. And he, the, the man who wrote the article just assumed that we knew each other. So anyway, I woke up and of course I'm thinking about this guy and I sent him an email and said, I told him what the dream was. And I said, so I'm, you know, wondering how you are. He sent me an email back and he said, oh my God, we have to have a phone call. So we talked on the phone and he's been doing these retreats that are healing retreats that are part of his practice. He had an older woman who was a mentor of his, who was doing these retreats with him. And she recently left. And so he had been thinking about me, wondering if I might be interested in doing these retreats with him. Oh, I got the dream. So I am absolutely certain that I had the dream because he was thinking about me. And he told me about this heart-centered hypnotherapy that he does. He said that he would really like me to go through the training because he uses them in the retreats. He offered to pay for it. He said, there's absolutely no obligation. You know, if you don't like it, that's fine. If you don't want to get certified, that's fine. I want to give it to you as a gift because, you know, there's no way I can really give you gratitude for everything that you taught me that's shaped my life in all these good ways. So I meditated on it and I said, okay. And I went through the training and found that it was fantastic. And I was not initially intending to get certified, but it's so powerful that I decided to get certified so I can add it to my own practice. So that was a, a direct intuitive telepathic connection for me to uh, have this become part of my life journey now. 
Well, and if you had not been in alignment with your own life, you would not have been able to do that. There would have been blockages that probably would have kept that from happening. So yeah, if totally I, if awesome. Our last interview that we did was all about dreams. I've been keeping a dream journal for over 40 years and that's mm -hmm. a very deep part of my practice. So yeah, if I didn't remember my dreams, I wouldn't even have received that communication. No, you wouldn't have. And, and obviously this is a, a juncture for you that you're continuing. You know, I guess one of the things that I truly do believe is that life is a journey and that, you know, there, the destination doesn't arrive until we leave our physical bodies. And so it's always going to be fun to see what's around the next corner, the next curve. Um, and if you look at it as this amazing um, adventure, if you will, that we're all on, um, you know, then it can be truly rewarding and very, very exciting. And obviously this is your next adventure is to be going down this road and getting certified, you know, as a heart-centered hypnotherapist and seeing where that takes you, you know, what um, individuals are going to cross your path that will allow you to help them and then they take that. It's a little to me like um, throwing a pebble, you know, into a lake, you know, those concentric circles that we have and our lives keep touching other people. And I think that's what the podcast was meant to do when I started it three years ago is I didn't have a clue as to who would be walking into my life. And they're totally different people. I think there's maybe two or three that are the same, but otherwise people have been coming to me through maybe LinkedIn, through alignment, through, um, you know, other kind alignable, I said alignment, but uh, alignable is another professional organization, sometimes through Facebook, sometimes through just word of mouth, but people are there because they have chosen to be in this intersection of life. And obviously the intersection of life you had with this young man back when he was 19, um, he's never forgotten. You know, you have still been a pivotal person in his life. And now he's going to be a pivotal person in your life. Yes. Bringing another skill into your set of skills that allow you to continue to touch people. So that's, that's really remarkable. And it's, it's very special that, you know, this has happened and good that you kept all those dream journals all those years. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, um, I think the show, you know, has helped people maybe understand that even if they are not 100% living their life purpose at this time, you know, I would say that they can take um, maybe a better understanding of who they are and what they're all about and plug that into other things. It doesn't have to be their career. It can be something they volunteer in, their family life, their friendships. Is that pretty accurate? It is accurate. And I also do individual consulting with people to help them in this process. So if there are people who are listening to this and maybe they have a hard time remembering what, what they played when they were under seven or they're not used to being self-reflective. There are other exercises and questions I can 
uh, use to help people discern that as well. Um, how can somebody get hold of you easily? The simplest is probably to email me. It's laurel, L-A-U-R-E-L, at laurelclark.com. Okay. And then they can just say that they heard you on the Synergy Connection show. Yes. And would like to go ahead and uh, explore maybe learning more about their own personal life purpose. Yes. Okay. What if they wanted to um, maybe explore this hypnotherapy program? Can you give them information on that as well? I can. I'd be okay. glad to. Okay. Because I, I could see that there might be some individuals that would go, wow, that sounds exactly like something that I would like to do mm -hmm. you know, from a professional point of view. So, um, well, I certainly have appreciated you being part of today's show. And I hope that uh, the listeners out there have learned a little bit more about uh, finding their life purpose and how to make that work uh, more effectively, you know, in their own personal lives at this moment in time. So I appreciate you being a guest. Thank you so much. I've appreciated being on your show and thank you for the great questions. And I hope that um, it has been helpful to your listeners. I think I can't imagine that it isn't helpful. Um, we're all kind of in this together and walking down parallel roads, not on the same road for the most part, but we're all down parallel roads and hopefully leading to conclusions that help our world be a better place for everybody to live in. Yes. All right. Well, thank you very, very much. Um, and we'll see you back here towards the end of September. That sounds great. Thank you, All right. Lucy. All right. Everybody go out there and really make an effort to live your best life. And don't forget to go to www.synergyconnectionradio.com for the website and uh, archived shows. Uh, check out Boomers Forever Young. You can even sign up for their free newsletter. Um, but go out there and make it your best day. Thanks so much. See you next week. Bye-bye. Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.